travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 18. And today we're taking on a really exciting topic that's near and dear to both of us, especially uh, my partner. This is Travel Writing with Tom Vader. And as usual, this is one of your hosts, Scott Coates from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And with me is Mr... Trevor Ranges, uh, recording here in Bangkok, Thailand. Hey, Trevor, it's uh, great to talk up with you again. And I'm really excited because today you're actually sitting with our guests so that uh, there's kind of a little more personal feel to this thing, hopefully. Yep, I'm here in Bangkok with uh, Tom today, and we are going to interview him here in his home. Super. So this is Travel Writing. Why are we doing this? Well, you know, as most of our listeners probably already know, uh, I've been primarily employed as a freelance travel writer for going on a decade now. And all in all, it's been a great ride. Uh, I get to travel to exotic places. I get to immerse myself in the local culture, uh, explore the, the nature and experience and learn as much as possible um, about particular destinations. Um, and it's an exciting job, but it's not quite as glamorous as many people think. Yeah, you know, in my years living in the region, I've been pretty lucky. I've gotten to know a number of travel writers, some of the world's best. And I kind of gleaned that, you know, the whole process of doing, let's say, a guidebook. Obviously, there's a lot more to travel writing than just guidebooks. But I, I specifically remember many guidebook writers telling me like, well, they love it and that it is it is not glamorous. They're off seeing, say, 20 guest houses in a day. They're blazing through to see a bunch of restaurants. It's not like they're lying on a beach enjoying cold beer. It, it, it's, it's hard work. Well, it can be hard work at times, but I think uh, when we get into it here with Tom, you'll discover that, you know, it's kind of a balance like any job that, that most people have where, you know, there's good days and there's bad days. Uh, so maybe talking about one of the good days uh, when I was Working on the National Geographic Cambodia guidebook, uh, I got to know the fine folks at CM Reup Dirt Bikes, who are our sponsor right. today. Yeah. Uh, CM Reup Dirt Bikes offers off-the-beaten-track motorbike adventure tours to the most remote areas of Cambodia, taking you to places most others don't go. Yeah, I love dirt biking, and I've only done a tiny bit in Cambodia, and I know they're going to help us go to uh, a temple in Cambodia in a few months' time. So thank you very much to them for sponsoring. So Trevor, you have been a guidebook writer. I have not. What What's the skinny on it? What's it like? Well, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people think that most of the time I'm just like hanging out on the beach or, or, or chilling out in bars, having a grand old time. Um, and and. To be fair, that, that is actually part of it. And, and you definitely <laughs> do have great days where you're on top of a volcano and you're like, this is the greatest job in the world. Um, but the work can be challenging. You do spend a lot of time researching. You have to do a lot of time planning. Um, there's the budget aspect of it. You only get a certain amount as an advance. And then you have to figure out, all right, how can I travel for, for many months and, and go and do and see everything possible and, and still try and turn a profit at the end of it, which, which can be challenging but it also makes you a very savvy traveler 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've talked about travel writing a lot. I, I've sold a few freelance pieces, but couldn't uh, put myself on your level or call myself a professional travel writer. But especially in the day and age of the blog, where it seems that everybody here is a professional writer and everyone's writing about travel, it got us thinking that, you know, what does an actual real writer mean these days? And let's focus on someone that's actually a pro and makes their living from it because it's something that's really not easy to do. I can think of a few uh, that I know that are really great. I mean, the book Very Tie by a friend of ours, Philip Cronwell-Smith, is great. Of course, there's Joe Cummings, kind of one of the original Lonely Planet writers, and he's put out, I think, 30-odd books. One of them, uh, Lana Renaissance, about the style in northern Thailand, and then he has uh, a book on uh, Buddhist tattoo, Sakyant. And I mean, there's just, the point is, there's not a lot of people that can really make a living of it these days and not that it's ever been easy but it's probably harder than ever and I think it's really cool that our guest today Tom seems to be achieving that yeah and you know a couple of weeks ago we did a episode on digital nomads and our guest Gary Arndt he was uh, kind of entertaining in, in that he recommended that people don't try to do this lifestyle um, and that it wasn't for everybody because it isn't just that like oh you want to travel the world and write there's a lot more to it and uh, it is a profession that, that you do need to develop skills in order to, to be good at, in, in addition to simply being able to write moderately well. Yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty neat thing to hear him to say. I'm sure the last thing he wants are more people kind of competing for that bandwidth, so to speak, of, you know, there's only room for so many photographers or travel bloggers to really make a big living. But it was it was a pretty valid point. And uh, I know our guest today has not only written guidebooks, but has also written novels. And actually, I've never asked you, have you ever thought of writing a, a novel or a topic specific book? Well, you know, I mean, I, I got into travel writing in part just because I do love to write. Um, and, and prior to coming to Thailand and, and starting to do travel-specific writing, um, I, I wrote lots of short stories, but I never really tried to publish anything. Um, since Tom's been doing Crime Wave Press, um, I've actually spoken with him a little bit about uh, a novel idea that I've had. And, and I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to publish uh, a something fictional. It's just a matter of finding the time to do it. I mean, when, when you're a professional travel writer, uh, sometimes the last thing I want to do in my free time is write. Uh, whereas when we get into it here with Tom, I, I know that, that he just loves to write, so he just cranks shit out. Yeah, certainly time's a premium, and it's I'm sure it's no easy undertaking. Well, Trevor, as you know, why don't you tell us about our guest today? Okay. Well, Tom is a writer and now publisher working predominantly in Asia, although he does spend a lot of time uh, back in Europe now where he's originally from. Um, Tom has written for the Wall Street Journal, the Times, the Guardian, the Daily Telegraph, and a number of other publications, including, according to his, web ha uh, his website, Penthouse Magazine. Uh, Tom is also the co-author of several documentary screenplays, most notably The Most Secret Place on Earth, a feature on the CIA's covert war in the 1960s in Laos. And he has now published several nonfiction books, including the highly acclaimed Sacred Skin, which, like Joe's book, is about Sakyan, the tattoos, the magical right, tattoos right. here, and yeah. more recently Burmese Light. Um, he has uh, published three novels, two with Crime Wave Press, a Hong Kong-based crime fiction imprint, of which he is the co-owner. Yeah. And uh, a number, number of years ago, I had the pleasure of meeting Tom the first time in Crache, Cambodia, <laughs> while I was researching the National Geographic Cambodia book, and he was re researching the Moon Travel Guidebook to Cambodia, which is now mm. offered as the handbook to Angkor Wat, Siem Reap, and Phnom Penh, which uh, Tom just told me recently that he's updating at the moment. 
Cool, cool. Well, uh, Tom, thanks very much uh, for joining us today. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Scott. Great to be here. Thanks. So you guys now are literally in your house in, in Bangkok, is that right? We're sitting on the top floor of my house and yeah. uh, um, enjoying a cool breeze and a drink. And um, we're ready to tell your stories. Awesome. Well, I don't have a breeze, but I have a nice drink, as is uh, kind of customary with us. So, Tom, just to get us started, where are you originally from? How and when did you end up living in Asia? Um, I was born in Germany and lived there the first 18 years of my life. And then I relocated to the UK to study. And I lived in Oxford and London for 14 years. And then I came to Asia. In The first time I came to Asia was in 1992, but I didn't really move here until another eight years later. Okay, so is there been one spot that's sort of been the main place you would call home or the main focus, or have you been just literally moving all around the region? No, I'm, I'm a correspondent in Thailand for uh, Germany's biggest independent travel publisher, and I have been that for the last eight years. So my base is hmm. here, I have a house here, and um, yeah, this is my base of operations. But I, I, I move around a lot, and I, I work regularly in, in, in Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, a little bit in Malaysia, uh, as well as in India and Nepal, and uh, on the fringes of my work, I go to other Asian countries. Very cool. Yeah, you know what I, I think is really cool about what you do, Tom, is that like you definitely do specialize a bit in travel-specific writing, um, but, but the stuff that you like to write about is quite diverse. Um, yes, there are many reasons for that. Partly my interest, but uh, um, we were touching, or you were touching earlier on, uh, on the fact that... Um, Travel writing is a hard, or can be a hard grind, especially financially, especially with the internet having mm -hmm. depleted uh, print journalism. And um, I, I started at a time when I got a lot of assignments from newspapers and magazines, and I, I was sent all over Asia to do stories, and that has almost stopped. Not completely, but almost. And, uh, mm. and of course, the, the, the fees we receive as travel writers these days uh, cannot be compared to the kind of money I was paid 10 years ago. So um, basically, the only way, I think for most writers, including Joe Cummings, you've me mentioned earlier, is yeah. to diversify and uh, to do different kinds of things. And as Trevor mentioned, I write screenplays, I work on illustrated books, I write novels, and I um, do journalism and guidebooks. And out of all of that, I can make a living. But if I specialized on any one of these genres alone, I would be really, really struggling. Hmm. So, but. I mean, it's great that you do all sorts of different writing, and it's great that you're passionate about all those different things. Um, but what is it specifically about travel writing that, that keeps you coming back to, to want to do travel-related work? Well, first of all, I think it's, it's what started me off. Um, I drifted through Asia for quite a number of years on, with other projects. I used to do a research project with the British Library into indigenous music for many years in Asia. And, and so that's what initially got me into writing. And um, I, in, since the late 90s, I saw this as a way to sustain myself without having to go back home. And um, I really, really love the region. I, um, I've been to not everywhere, but quite a few countries here many, many times and have, have spent a lot of time with local people and explored many, many different regions. And, and this, for me, is, uh, is really the payoff for, uh, for the effort that goes into the work. 
So, Tom, I mean, you said you you report for one of Germany's biggest publications. What was your first foray, say, into travel writing outside of that publication? Oh, my first foray was something completely different. My first foray was a job for Rough Guides, which is a British uh, guidebook company. Mm -hmm. And um, they hired me in 1998 to do to write um, the Thailand chapter for their very first Southeast Asia guide. Right. And um, and that's uh, that was my first job. And then immediately afterwards, um, I started working for German television. My brother is a film director. And uh, with him, I wrote several screenplays, uh, documentary screenplays. The first one that was made was about the Kumbh Mela, which is the world's biggest festival, which takes place in India every 12 years. A Hindu gathering of, uh, at that time in 2001, there was uh, 70 million people. The more recent one, there was 200 million people. So it's a huge, huge thing. And we did a, a documentary for uh, Arte and Discovery about that. And then uh, the year after, I did a film uh, with my brother about uh, the start of mass tourism in Angkor in Cambodia. And uh, so it was those projects, along with the travel writing, that started me off in Asia as a professional. Very cool. Okay. Um I mean, like, you say that travel writing is kind of the reward for all the other types of work that you do as a writer. No, the travel is. Yeah, all right, okay. That, that makes sense then, because my question was going to be, while, like, myself as a travel writer, the, the travel is obviously the biggest perk, but what do you find to be the biggest challenge in travel writing in, in general? Making ends meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just it. Is, it. is it trying to find enough work, or is it just... Uh, it's, it's trying to find enough well-paid work. Um, I think that after 20 years, I know the nuts and bolts of how it works pretty well. And I, I, I know how to put a guidebook together, as, as you do as well. And I know how to write a feature efficiently and quickly uh, for any kind of publication out there. And um, so even though aspects of the job kind of become a little bit routine, uh, earlier on it was mentioned about looking at 20 hotel rooms in a day and stuff like that. Of course, that's part of the job and that can get tedious. But um, as I said, the, the perks are that um, even if as part of an assignment, I don't get to go somewhere new or pioneering, I do certainly hear about those places and I do take the time to go back to them. And, and that's really wonderful. And I'm still curious about the world even after doing this for two decades. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about your more recent work. Uh, I know that you were recently in Phnom Penh and you participated in a panel with Nick Ray and Greg, Greg Bloom, the co-authors of The Lonely Planet, uh, Cambodia. Um, aside from promoting your latest book on Cambodia, what were some of the insights you shared uh, at that event? Um, aside from promoting Cambodia journey into the land of the Khmer, which was uh, a project with American photographer Craig Leap, who also works a lot for Lonely Planet. Um, we shared, me, Greg Bloom and Nick Ray, shared a panel on, yeah, the nuts and bolts of, of our profession. And um, Nick told some wonderful things about adventures, uh, motorcycle adventures in the jungles of Cambodia, while I think I concentrated a little bit more on the, on the business nuts and bolts of, of the enterprise. With the advent of digital technology, the travel publishing industry has obviously undergone a massive upheaval. I mean, certainly physical book publishing is not as profitable as it once was. So with that in mind, Tom, what's your opinion of those who say the death of published books 
is simply a matter of time. I think that that is not really true. I think people will always want physical books. I think a physical book uh, in, in relation to an e-book or a blog is something uh, that you have in your hand, something that uh, you can share with your friends. In a physical manner, it's an object more than just the text that you're reading. And um, I, I, I don't see mm. that books are going to die. I know that, of course, bookshops are closing all over the world and, uh, and the, tra the travel guidebook market is under attack from, from uh, entities like TripAdvisor, of course. Um, and I think that's a shame, but I also understand it because people want their information super quick and a lot of people think that if they get it for free, it's, uh, it's okay, while the reality of all that is, of course, that free information is often biased or unprofessional. And, and one of the things about guidebooks is that they, they are written by people who, who know what they're doing and uh, who, know, and who usually know the countries mm. that they're working in quite well. And so it's, there's just so much information out there now and, and guidebooks are one slice of the cake and uh, blogs are another and uh, TripAdvisor is yet another. It's, it's because of the advances in technology, the market has, has basically splintered into, into many, many small parts. And that's why the guidebooks in a physical sense are struggling. Mm. But I don't think they will all die. Well, you know, I mean, we've both worked on, on travel guidebooks, and, and obviously I think there is some benefit to having a, a physical book that you can read on the bus while you're traveling from destination A to destination B. But also, like, your, your recent book, Cambodia, Journey Through the Land of the Khmer, that, that's more of what maybe people would consider a coffee table book, yeah? So do you think that that's one of your strategies or that's the strategy for the travel publishing industry to produce more visually, or, or as Gary would say, travel porn? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I, I agree. And as for me, it, it's simply, uh, I like doing those books. And you're right, it's a coffee table book. And um, it's something completely different to a guidebook. The, the text requirements are completely different. The way you have to think about the country that you're writing about is different. I've done three of those projects now, and I hugely enjoyed all of them. But again, it's, it's, it's a question of diversification. I think if you, as a journalist today, if you can only work in one genre, you're lost. You're not going to make a living unless you're super, super well-known. But um, for, for most of us to make a decent living, we have to work in, in multiple disciplines. You know, I'm a real guidebook guy. Like, I just went to Italy, and I had to have a guidebook of some sort. But I must say, I'm, I'm kind of guilty that I did use certain online resources for hotels and restaurants. But I still needed that guidebook. So, Tom, how do you think guidebooks can actually remain relevant and used in the next five or ten years? One of the things I can tell you about this is that uh, my publisher in Germany, Reise Know How, which has got about 600 titles out. It's a bit like Lonely Planet, but in German language. Um, mm -hmm. they, they are slightly changing their program. They're investing a lot more money into short guides, let's say 150 pages to a certain destination, let's say to Bangkok mm. or to Kuala Lumpur or to Saigon or, or perhaps even a rural area somewhere. Or a, um, I've just done a guidebook for them called uh, Island Trip Koh Samui Koh Pangan Koh Tao. Uh, that's 150 oh, cool. pages and it's got a lot of photography in it in color. And um, these, these new, this new generation of guidebooks um, looks visually more attractive, has a lower word count as a consequence, of course. 
and right. um, I, I think that um, a lot of a lot of because the nature of travel itself has changed a little bit people don't go on such long trips anymore and so for a lot of people these short books which are also cheaper of course um, are, are the new way to go and they're doing really really well those books yeah that's very cool like I know when I was in Italy if there had been a book with just a couple of the main centers I was going to that would have been mint oh very interesting yeah, you know, and, and I don't know, like when before I became a travel writer, when I was travel traveling in the, the pre-internet days, I would often buy like some big guidebook and then just tear out the chapters of, of what I needed or even just the maps, you know, like, yeah. So did I. I used to walk around with uh, 50 pages of uh, India's Lonely Planet because the thing was so heavy, you could have killed a cow with it and you just don't want to walk around with with such a heavy book. Yeah, but at the same time, like maybe I'm biased, but like I feel that the information that I provide to the readers of my material, they get something better than they're gonna get from TripAdvisor because we spend a lot of time really getting to know the area and, and really select uh, things that, that I really love to go see and do. I think that both formats have their place. Uh, we can rant against TripAdvisor as much as we want. It's not going to go away. The problem with TripAdvisor, uh, it has many, many benefits, of course. The problem is, of course, as you said, it's written by laymen um, who often just come to a place for two weeks and know really nothing about the destination. So in that sense, of course, we're far more qualified to, to write a real text about where we go, what we see, what we research. And the other problem uh, with, with uh, sites like TripAdvisors, of course, is that they open themselves to personal vendettas and pettiness and mm. uh, business uh, confrontations. And, um, and so that makes, the, uh, makes some of the advice rather questionable, I would say. Hmm. Yeah, but also, you know, like uh, the other, on, the, on the other side of the coin, uh, sometimes I feel like when, when you travel too much or, or you get so used to like a certain standard of like you know i'm from hawaii so when i travel around beaches in thailand i'm i'm often comparing those beaches to the beaches of hawaii whereas somebody who's from like a landlocked country when they come to thailand they're like blown away and they're like oh my god this is the most gorgeous beach i've ever seen mm. whereas i might be a little bit more critical because i'm comparing it to not just hawaii but let's say indonesia or the philippines or all these other places where i've seen uh, things that have impressed me a lot. Do you ever have that challenge where you you, you're, you have difficulty trying to put yourself in, in a new traveler's shoes? Mm, I, I understand what you're saying and, and I guess the expectations of somebody who comes to Thailand for the very first time or to Malaysia and goes to the beaches and hasn't been in the tropics before uh, are very, very much different to you and me. Um, I don't go on holiday in Patong Beach obviously i'll go somewhere else and uh, mm -hmm. but maybe for a guidebook in the past I, I used to i used to cover patong beach for a phuket guide, guidebook many many years ago so i've been there loads of times and i know what's on offer there but i also think um, different travelers want different things and the people who come here for two weeks or travel anywhere in the tropics for two weeks they're not looking for the kind of things that uh, trevor and i are looking for sure tom very quick one. Do you ever get tired of traveling? No, um, I, it is tiring at times. The last two, three months, I haven't been anywhere than a few days at any given time before changing loca right. location again. Um, and I'm super happy to be at home at the moment. But in a few days, I'm going to southern Thailand and uh, and yeah, it goes on. But uh, no, I don't get 
I, I get tired of the, the work, of course, and uh, the process of it, but the actual the sense of exploration that I had when I was younger is, is still there, and the sense of curiosity. You know, it's funny, because I, I just remembered, sorry, Scott, uh, last year, maybe two years ago, I was on my way up to Ayutthaya to do some research for, for a travel piece, and, and the feeling that I had that I posted as my Facebook status was, it, it feels like that moment where I was about to jump out of an airplane to, to go skydiving, and I remember you liked that, that comment I made, because you do sort of get a rush uh, from, from the, the trade, do you, don't you agree? Absolutely, uh, and once I've been at home for two or three weeks, I'm super happy to get back on the road. Yeah, that's something even not being a travel writer, I ran a tour business for many years and I would find like if I was four weeks in the office, I just started to kind of feel a little funny. So, Tom, I mean, travel writing is the big focus of this one. You've written a lot of travel books, but what was your first published non-guidebook and how did that project differ from producing a guidebook? My first published non-guidebook was actually a, a novel called The Devil's Road to Kathmandu, which came out more than 10 years ago, with, initially with a Thai publisher. And um, that was actually a reflection on 10 years of travel in, uh, on the Indian subcontinent and between Europe and India, because I traveled from uh, the subcontinent back to Europe over land. And the stories I gathered on that trip together with another couple of uh, anecdotes I picked up formed the basis of that book. And um, The Devil's Road to Kathmandu is about three travelers who in 1976 travel in an old van from uh, London to Kathmandu and on the way they, they do a drug deal which goes horribly wrong and one of them disappears with the money. 25 years later they receive an email, the remaining guys receive an email from their old chum uh, telling them to Kathmandu to pick up the money and then it goes into other convolutions. But um, underneath this adventure story there, there are observations on the kind of travel I did uh, in, the, in the early and mid-90s. So how does the approach of writing a novel differ from producing a travel book? It's a different skill and uh, it takes some time I think for every writer to wake up to that. Um, they're all different skills. Writing a screenplay is also a different skill. And one of the problems I found with writing fiction is that I'm sometimes perhaps a little bit too journalistic in the sense that I provide the reader with too much information simply because I have so much information in my head. Hmm, interesting. Right, so, so between the, the fiction writing and the screenplay writing and the, and the travel writing, uh, which which process or which which project even did you feel the most passionate about or which one it, it, do you think at your core is is the true writer within Tom Vader? <laughs> um, well, I enjoy writing fiction the most because when you sit in a place for three months or six months by yourself, 12 hours a day, and you fight with a bunch of characters that bounce through your story, there's um, strange things happen in your head that, uh, that, that are very, very different from, from this rather more mundane um, process of gathering information. I don't want to put that, the travel writing, down in any way. It's what, got, it's, what got started, it's what started me off in Asia, and I'm super grateful for having had the opportunities to work for so many publications, from the Daily Telegraph to Penthouse and back, and um, it, it's a great experience, and I'm doing a, 
uh, two assignments um, for British Daily next week, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think the, um, the fiction writing is a much more solitary process, and um, because the projects are longer, 80,000 words up, it requires a different kind of discipline and uh, just a different kind of outlook on top of the different techniques that you need to employ as a writer. That's really neat. I mean, I'm sure like a lot of people that have written anything, we all kind of dream of writing the great novel at some point. And I was impressed looking at your site um, and actually just bought the the book uh, that you mentioned, The Devil's Road to Kathmandu, and, and, and can't wait. But thinking about, you know, people becoming a writer, I'm sure you get it all the time, Tom. But if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I want to be a travel writer, what's your advice to them? Do you tell them like not to do it or what do you say? No, I would never say that. Um, I know the market is difficult and I know that anyone who is getting into the business now, their chances of making a full-time living of that as quickly as I did, basically within a year, is um, perhaps much, much harder to achieve. But um, if people want to write, feel passionate about it and want to learn the nuts and bolts of writing, I would definitely encourage them. I, I would say to them, write a thousand words a day, every day, whether you write it about uh, an adventure trip on the Mekong River or about um, whoever picks through your garbage every morning. I don't really think it makes any difference. It's just you have to have um, endurance and, and passion for it and uh, and really, really, really want to do it, and then it'll work out. So no, I would not disencourage uh, people at all. So you've just said something. I mean, I've I've read a book that says the same thing, write a thousand words every day. I've always felt that I've never gotten nearly as good as I could because I don't do it enough, and I, then I've sort of likened it in my mind. I've thought it's just like working out. Like if you keep lifting the weight, the muscle gets stronger. Would you say it's the same with writing? Mm. I think the perception of writing is a little bit funny with some people in the sense that because we go to school and we learn to write people think that they can write but actually writing is a skill like being a plumber or being a carpenter the first box you're going to build as a carpenter is going to be wonky and if you kick it it's going to fall apart the next box is going to be a little bit more stable the box after that may have some carvings and a hinge on it and eventually you get to the point where you where you be able to put some gold inlays into the box if you sustain this over many, many years. And um, so somebody uh, made a comparison to learning a language. It, it takes like 10,000 hours of learning to, to properly be able to express yourself in another language. I think it's pretty much the same with writing. You have to write a million words and then, uh, and then you should be a professional. Hmm. So getting back to the travel real quick, uh, of all the places that you've traveled to and written about, what has been your, your favorite destination to, to research and write about? And if you could write about any place that you've never written about, what would that be? Oh, my God. Um, I have so many favorite places that I've written about. Um, my favorite place in Thailand is um, probably Mu Kosarin National Park on the Andaman Coast uh, near Anong. Um, it's a bunch of islands, um, an hour and a half off the coast, very close, two and a half miles from the Burmese border. And um, there is no private business on these islands because it's a national park. And the coral there and the, the, the fish stock are in quite good condition. And the islands are 98% uh, evergreen forest. And um, you get there and there's monkeys swinging from the trees and it's uh, super beautiful. So that's probably... And I have written uh, extensively about the islands during the tsunami 10 years ago. 
So um, that's one of my favorite places in Thailand. Um, but th there's so many uh, because I've been on the road for 20 years. Mm -hmm. What can I say? Yeah. How about your uh, dream destination? If you, if, if you could just pick your next assignment, right? About okay. That, that would be somewhere where I haven't been. Yeah. Uh, and which would be a bit out of my orbit and my co my comfort zone. So um, yeah, I'd really like to go to Mongolia, um, to Papua New Guinea. Um, those are those are both parts of the world that I've never been to, know not so much about, and would really love to explore either professionally or privately. Hmm, Tom. Um not to just give your new book a plug, but I was looking through your website today and you've produced this Cambodia journey through the land of the Khmer. And I have been to Phnom Penh probably oh, at least a dozen times. And there was the description of Phnom Penh in the morning and the monks, you know, coming down, getting their arms and independence monument and so forth. Do you have to really work hard at kind of creating these images or be to a place many times or do you just find it just hits you and you can just sort of lay it out there? No, I, I'm not precious about my work and I never sit in front of an empty screen. If I have an <laughs> okay. assignment, I sit down and I do it and after five minutes I'm, I'm really in there. And um, like you, I've been to Phnom Penh, I don't know, countless times since, uh, since 1995 was the first time and uh, then from 2001 regularly and so if I have to conjure up uh, street scenes or the smells or how it feels to be in the street, um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at that with a bunch of countries. But I, I would say that one, one can't spread oneself too thin. So I don't think I could do this more than, uh, in more than eight or 10 countries. Beyond that, I would really have to spend a month or two months there and soak up the atmosphere and hang out with local people and. Uh, and eat there and stay in cheap guest houses and uh, talk to all stratas of society. And, and then I would feel competent to, uh, to write something serious about such a destination. For example, Mongolia, I'd have to go there for at least a month and hang around talking to people before I would feel that I could really write something that is of any worth. Right. Well, I got to say is you really nailed it. And I'm super excited to get that book now. Thanks very much. All right, so Tom, why don't you tell us uh, maybe a little bit quickly about Crime Wave Press, uh, how you came up with that, and uh, a little bit about it, and then maybe where else uh, people can learn a bit more about you. Okay, Crime Wave Press is a Hong Kong-based crime fiction English language imprint, which I started two years ago with Hans Kemp, an Asia-based photographer and publisher. And initially, um, we set out to publish crime novels with an with an Asian location or an Asian angle or written by an Asian author. And, um, and that's what started us off. And we, we started publishing eBooks and print on demand in, uh, at the end of 2012. We launched the company at the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival in Bali. And um, yeah, it's been a really great adventure. We now have 17 titles out, but I should say that our initial vision of just publishing Asian-related crime fiction kind of dive-bombed on us and we realized uh, quite quickly that there just aren't enough writers in the region who write crime fiction uh, to sustain a, a publishing house, however niche that might be. So um, after about a year, we, we opened our doors to uh, submissions from all over the world and that has definitely made it easier to pick titles. That said, many of our titles still have a very strong Asian angle 
Um, the most recent uh, bunch of books we've published are by um, an, an Australian academic called Brian Stoddart, who writes these wonderful classic detective fiction adventures set in uh, 1920s Madras in India. So th this is kind of like Sherlock Holmes against the backdrop of uh, rising Indian nationalism, the resistance to the colonial enterprise, and these are brilliant classic whodunits set in a, in a political landscape. And that's really the kind of thing we love doing. So, Tom, I mean, you, you've got your hands in many, many pots. Um, how can people learn more about you and what you do? Um, I, I have a, a website blog called uh, www.tomvata.com. Okay. Um, Crime Wave Press has a website called www.crimewavepress.com. Right. And uh, so that's... Uh, probably the best way and I'm on Twitter um, I think my Twitter name is Tom Vata that's it okay all right and there'll, there'll be links to uh, all of these uh, websites on our show notes on talktravelasia.com yeah that's right in the books and so forth so Tom thanks so much uh, I must meet you in person one day I've been within 10 meters of you before to book launch but never officially met you so thank you so much for making time and sharing with us today Scott Trevor it's been a pleasure thanks for having me on uh, on this podcast Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I, I'm really pumped to have talked to Tom because, as I mentioned in the podcast there, is, uh, you know, I, I've known him for a long time. I've seen his name in media. I'm familiar with some of his books. And it was it was a really fascinating conversation. I really liked, I naturally assumed, and maybe it's two of the same things, is that a guy like that wants to not just do guidebooks, but he wants to do topic-specific coffee books, and he, he wants to write novels. But it also sounds like the nature of the beast. Like, if you want to be a freelance writer, you want to be a professional writer, travel writer, you've got to really kind of produce multiple things. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's totally true, because uh, last time I hung out with Tom, we talked a bit about this, and uh, he has supported himself entirely from writing for, like, two decades now, whereas uh, I have to... I mean, wow. I, I do primarily write, but I also teach GMAT, GRE, help with uh, admission essays to American universities because that that helps pay the bills. You can't, like, it's very difficult to, to survive as just a writer, and Tom's definitely been doing that. Yeah, it's super neat. And then I know there's all those things you have to do in those dark alleys as well to keep things afloat. So it's, it is very impressive that Tom has been able to carry this on. And then another point I thought that was really, really interesting is how he mentioned that some of these guidebooks to stay relevant are, are making themselves small 150 kind of destination specific guides. And I know that Lonely Planet caught my eye years ago with these kind of city guides, but it, it does kind of make sense. Like if you're only going to one or two places and there's a book that does that, it's kind of more intriguing to take that than the whole huge like India book, as he mentioned. Yeah. And at the other extreme talking about like the coffee table books, like, people dream of their next destination or having already been in Cambodia and wanting to have like a keepsake or a memento to remind them of the, the places they see to have this great picture book with, uh, you know, additional information about the temples that will give you greater insight that you can only get from a professional writer like Tom, who, who really immerses himself in the culture and is really passionate about the places that he writes about. Yeah, and, you know, he, he said a couple things tonight that I'd love to write a blog myself about this, but, like, what makes a professional writer? Because there's no question that, like, a good number of people can write nice prose and stuff that you'll run your eyes over and feel good about, but 
that doesn't make him a professional and like his 20 years of doing it. And he now understands that like, I've got to spend, he said like he wouldn't even contemplate writing about Mongolia without spending a month there and talking to people from all levels of society. And like, without really having you know worked at it and become a true professional you wouldn't know that so those were some kind of things that stuck out to me kind of defining maybe a a true writer but also a travel writer yeah absolutely uh that's the kind of insight you're not going to get on TripAdvisor yeah well this was a great episode i really enjoyed it trevor thanks for teeing it up um for this one we will wrap it up this is scott coates in kuala lumpur saying thank you for listening we'll be back in two weeks and i'll hand it off to trevor to Take us out. Yep. Thanks again, uh, Tom, for joining us. Thanks, Scott, for co-hosting with me again. Thanks, CM Re- Dirt Bikes, for sponsoring our episode. And uh, we'll see our listeners, or they'll hear from us in two weeks when I think we're doing uh, our either our favorite watering holes or our favorite local food restaurants. Yeah, it's one of those. Either way, it's a taste and drink sensation. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom in Cambodia?